Do you ever want to be a guest on a super cool podcast hosted by a glamorous power couple from their cutting-edge home studio on the outskirts of a major metropolitan world hub? Hollywood, anyone? Us, too. Until then, let's pretend. One of these days, you might get a DM, a PM, an EM, or even a message in a bottle inviting you to join my husband and I for an hour or two in our chat lab, working on solutions for all the world's problems. And when you are invited, there's only one response. Yeah, uh-huh. Hey, listeners, this is Yeah, uh-huh with Lisa and Phil. And this week we're talking to Shane Salk, who has recreated or reimagined the radio theater from what your grandparents probably know about yesterday and yeah we're going to talk about like the the how he came up with that and and why he thought it would be great and it is I was unfortunately not aware of it and now I am like so excited I've just been I've I've had my 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 podcast open on my phone I've had it plugged in I've been just really really And I mean, the talent that you have um, inspired to come on the show is like, wow. I mean, you've got Jane Lynch and Mr. Flynn, Finn. Yeah, his last name, Mike Finn. He plays Mike Huck in uh, the middle, but it's Neil Flynn. Neil Flynn, all right. I I do know him. I knew him as a janitor. Absolutely loved him. I mean, he was just so inspired as that character. Yeah. And and, amazing and funny and... Mm -hmm really nice guy yeah so welcome thank you good to be here yeah it's great to have you so so we we were talking a little bit before we got started about like the shows from yesteryear we had a a local college radio station that on sunday nights going into monday mornings lisa and i met working third shift Mm -hmm. we listened to this thing i forget what they called it but they did play a lot of those old yeah they had the Thurber McGee and the Shadow Nose. And I mean, I was aware of those from when I was little. I think I was seven, or I guess I was like maybe four or five when we got a TV. And then <clears throat> I was probably 10. So that would be 1976 before we got a color TV because my parents were, they didn't have a lot of money. My mom had a chronic illness and I inherited that. They were both Tauruses. So, you know. So is, is that kind of where you're mm-hmm. coming from? I came from it. I mean, when I was, I remember the Christmas, but an uncle of mine who years later, I brought this up to him and he has no recollection of it, mm. but an uncle of mine sent me audio cassette tapes of Gunsmoke, which is one of my favorite old time shows. And I was, it was definitely, it was before, you know, it was like kindergarten, first grade, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then it just kind of stuck. I think my parents actually used these audio tapes and stuff to keep me away from TV. I think that was sort of probably what, well, we like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and then, I mean, I had, we ended up getting a lot of gun smoke and then suspense and dragnet Mm -hmm. and Pippa McGee and Molly. I liked the comedy stuff, Bob Hope. Uh And uh, I mean, you mentioned yesteryear, that was the Mm -hmm. opening of the Lone Ranger radio show before it was the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, like I Love Lucy was originally an old time radio show called My Favorite Husband. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't know that. It didn't have Desi Arnaz, but it had Lucille Ball. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. It went to TV. It was sort of, uh, there was another show at the time, a radio show called 
Aramis Brooks, which ended up, mm -hmm. it did eventually get a TV series, but those two sort of went to battle of who was going to get there first. Dragnet, one of the longest running, you know, intellectual properties of all time, started as a radio show. Huh. Gunsmoke, which was the longest running TV show of all time until recently, mm -hmm. uh, or non-news show or something. The Simpsons beat it out recently, but it started as a radio show. Wow. The atmosphere and the things you can do with sounds. I'm just, you know, with this podcast, I'm starting to, you know, enjoy, you know, the, the creative process of using some sounds and music and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. uh, I can just, I can almost imagine like the distinctive voice of like Festus from Gunsmoke. I wonder if he was it on. Was Chester. It was Chester yeah. in the radio show. But oh, okay. they, they had different actors. I mean, the, the Matt Dillon in the uh, radio show was William Conrad. Who oh, wow. Jake and the Fat Man. He was the Fat Man, and, and mm. he couldn't have been Matt Dillon on the TV show. He looks nothing like somebody who could, you know, fight a bunch of people. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right up until he became. He looks a little more like yeah. Foss, I guess. Than yeah, there you was. go. <laughs> but he um, had yeah. definitely a booming voice. I remember Robert Conrad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are some good. Oh, it, yeah, that's how I started. And I always kind of was like, well, I want to, one day it'd be fun to make one of these things. And I, I, I'm a mm -hmm. theater. I have a degree in theater performance and I've always had this mind for producing and creating as well, because I just got really tired of having to wait for other people to either give me work or to do work for me. Right. So. And it's obvious you're good at it. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. We really, one of the things that we strive to do is to elevate this audio medium to a new level. I like to say we are the yeah. HBO of audio theater because yeah. It's not, you know, it's not ideas of sounds. It's not ideas of mm -hmm. environment. It's fully produced, but you still see what you want to see. I yes, don't have exactly. to see. We give you sort of the tools and it's so much fun because people will come up to us and goes, oh, that fight was great when they were running up that hill and they were behind them. And I was like, I didn't design a hill, but I'm with <laughs> You added a hill in your head. That's okay. Right. right. That's a great point. Sometimes I think mm -hmm. movies it like opens Pandora's box or whatever. And it kind of almost ruins the imagery that you develop in your mind, you know? Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. you have a lot of people say like listening to these are like reading a book because I get mm -hmm. to use my imagination all that time, but you give more flavor of things. Yeah. Um, well, and, and of course, always the background music helps when it comes to any kind of art media, especially if you listen to, I, I've, I saw this what's a documentary and in the documentary they played bits from like horror movies with and without the music mm -hmm. and it's just vastly different <laughs> I yeah. Imagine. yeah I mean it's like okay whatever yeah. and then the music and it's like ooh. yeah right so the music definitely affects us our emotional considerations my other thing is like like you said you visualize a book and I'm when a, when an author describes a character after I've been reading it for a while and it's totally different from what I've been imagining once in a while it kind of takes me out of the story for a bit mm -hmm. you know I mean because yeah I mean so I just kind of have to like decide if I'm going to go with their look or if I'm going with mine and heck with it <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we, we, our, our music guy, Dave 
Volpe is incredible. Uh-huh. And yeah. we, you know, he's, he's an amazing, a lot of things, but mm-hmm. uh, he's also, he, if I don't want to ruin anything, but he, he makes an appearance later on in the series too. And he's a great mm-hmm. actor, but yeah, we, we knew uh, that we needed music. I mean, I created mm-hmm. a show back in 2009 called We're Alive, which was a zombie serialized show. And mm-hmm. that was my first, you know, step of me producing into these things. And again, I didn't want to do something, you know, like the old time shows where it's sort of the idea of these footsteps and everything like that. And the funny story is that we actually put out our first episode and I'm driving along and I'm like, it's not, I don't like it. Something's wrong. Something's yeah. wrong. And then I call my partner at the time and I, and I figured out, I was like, you need to take it down, take down the episode, like take it down right now. It's not right. It's not right. Mm-hmm. And it was because I didn't, we didn't have the music. Mm-hmm. We didn't have enough music or music at all. I can't even remember. But yeah. We had all of that other stuff, but we needed specific music. And there are some, a lot of shows that lean heavily on the music to mm-hmm. basically score the whole thing. And we use it as Dave says, you know, and, and my partner, Bill Holmes, who's mm-hmm. really, really great with knowing what music he wants and where and how it's the music. You almost are supposed to forget it's there. You feel yeah. the music more than you notice the music. Mm-hmm. And we don't use the music all the time because mm-hmm. sound effects sort of can be that music. But when we do, it's, it's like, well, do we need music here? Do we not need music here? So it's, it's not a constant, but it's there to enhance. I always like to say that musicals to to prove this point about music a musical is just a play with a cheat code because yeah you can feel something very quickly with within you know four bars of a music where you need a whole monologue to get the audience there with with just the thing i love plays i love musicals but music is definitely the steroids of emotions the yeah. cheat code yeah. think, think about all the movies that have been made that probably suffered from a bad musical score and how they may have lifted it from obscurity to or or when the music is so invasive if there's a show where the music is almost overpowering the story i can't really stay with it i can't get into it so but so the music is original then you're mm -hmm. yeah yeah we have all original music in this and it it's it's incredible i mean doing this one this one uh season Mm -hmm. um our serum. Our serum is what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. uh, doing the first season. I mean, we, we've done the first season. It's out there. You can binge it. But we learned a lot about mm-hmm. uh, the amount of time. And we, because we were, when we started, we're like, oh, we can do it these ways. And then we get a couple episodes in. It's like, no, we need new, you know, this, this will make it even better. And this and that. Because and, we didn't rest on our laurels, so to speak, with any of it. It was, and the music was a big part of that. So when we do future seasons or if we do other projects or something we know a little bit more about the time constraints that we need to keep in mind <laughs> while we're producing yeah. yeah now did did 2020 in some ways help you with this project <sighs> possibly you because can, i mean maybe actors were more available if uh, nothing else there are definitely silver linings mm-hmm. i can find the good and the bad in, in all of it right the, the good thing about it so we were actually supposed to launch uh in april mm-hmm. and then the pandemic hit and right. we postponed to f- kind of figure out what was going on and that postponement was both good and bad the good thing about it was it gave us more time to really finesse and mm-hmm. you know work on it it also gave us a little bit of time to go well we don't we don't have to you know we can really nitpick every single thing which right 
as an artist is both a good thing and a curse where it's like, yeah, we need to make, mm-hmm. this, we need to make this. You're like, we can't take this day off and this day off and keep pushing things down the line. And, mm-hmm. you know, having partners, it's, you know, someday I don't want to work something. They don't want to work, you know, those kinds of things. So deadlines mm-hmm. are very, very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in that vein, we got a great product because we could push it a little bit. The other, very possibly about the the people being more available, the hard part about it is that we couldn't have people come into the recording studio. Right. A lot of times. We did have people come in. We were very safe. Mm-hmm. Everybody stayed separate and everybody had masks and then they're in a room by themselves. So one of the good things about that is that everything went to remote. So these some of these talent who have mm-hmm. home recording studios, it was a lot easier to get them to figure out, you know, when we can, they don't have to drive here. We don't have, we, the, that was a really good thing. That is that we couldn't actually have much of a crew. We couldn't get team, you know, it really was, depending on how you look at it, two to four people that did everything. I mean, me and Bill, Bare minimum. Uh, yeah, we, me and Bill did everything. And then we had Tim McEwen who, did our, our mixing. So I would design all the stuff and then mm-hmm. we sent it to him to do this amazing mix of everything. And then we did figure out because we had to do everything remotely, how to do those mix sessions remotely with high quality mm-hmm. audio. And then we'd send it to Dave and he'd do his thing, but four people, that's what we had. Yeah. We didn't have uh, the luxury of a large crew at all. And, and nobody, and look at these, the names who the stars and everything that were in this. Oh Yeah. yeah don't think that any of them got paid what they deserve. (laughs) My partner, Bill has been uh, in this industry for a very long time and knows a lot of these people. And Mm -hmm. they've heard my work before. Some of them, we did a version of a Christmas Carol a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And Maurice LaMarche and Rob Paulson, who played Pinky in the Brain, along with a number of other people in the show were in it. And they had so much fun and loved how it turned out so much that they were like, great. Yeah, we want to do anything you you have. And other people heard about that and were like, yeah, I want to be involved in whatever the heck you have going on. So that was, that was a, a blessing because, you know, we can't afford, we, we, we couldn't afford what people were worth, <laughs> to be blunt. But they loved what we were doing and we create such a fun environment that we were able to reach out and say, Hey, this is what we got going on. This is how much we can do. You know, it's you see this uh, where artists uh, and actors, they, they, they want to, they, they, they like something so much. They love a project so much that they'll, you know, they'll bend over backwards to do it. Or work for scale or donate. Absolutely. I mean, we, we did pay everybody because we are very, we raised, we raised money and we did pay, you know, scale sag minimums and and a little bit more sometimes just out of respect yeah Um, because bill and i are both actors we both believe the union needs to be strong and and Mm -hmm. i mean and and all these things but yeah they they definitely were like we like what you're doing we're not doing this to make a million dollars off of the project so we're in man and it wasn't a whole lot of time for most of them right you know most of them were in and out in one session Uh, the the bigger names anyway. Neil was in quite a few. I can't remember. Neil was in a Gray Griffin, Gray Delisle, who played Anne. Yeah. Uh-huh. She was in a, a couple, a few times too. But yeah, they were both in quite a few episodes. Yeah, yeah. And we do. We didn't do. You know, everybody recording at the same time. It was all one person at a time for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like it would be a challenge. Like you're talking about having 
during the pandemic, having remote actors, the, even if their equipment might be top notch, getting a consistency of the sound, you know, the same uh, frequency, same pitch, you know, the mixing that has to be done. That's, that, that seems like that would be a, an auspicious task. Um, I will tell you that's not untrue. I mean, I, I like to say that we have one job as director and, and all this stuff is, is to make them sound like everybody's in the same space. Mm-hmm. Right. And Kim McEwen, who is was our master or mixer master guy, he he made it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. Uh, I couldn't do yeah. a lot of it um, that way. And he he has all the things. He knows the buttons and the knobs, and and I can do some things, but that one I have not picked up on yet. So he he gets all the credit for that. Right. I'm really fascinated by people that are able to do that. You know, it's uh... well. We uh, we actually bought a soundboard for the podcast to help things sound a little better. And uh, Philip is learning it, but it's got like maybe eight dials, and yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's like eleven inches by eleven inches. So. I got little stickers on it where this is where this one needs to be. This is you know, <laughs> where this dial needs. Do to it be. this way because <laughs> we've learned your trial yeah. and error. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and with the pan, I mean, we're a voiceover studio here. We I I. Yeah started this studio so we could produce this project and try to make you know a living in some way while we were producing and and all this stuff right after the pandemic all most voiceover actors had to learn all that stuff had to get these equipments because they couldn't come in you know clients wouldn't allow them to come into studios for a very long time Mm -hmm. and you know all of the a lot of the you know get taking out the background noise and stuff is all done in post we do it in in our in our pro tools but and i've always i've always felt that mixing and editing are so undervalued overall you know because you can make the best movie in the world but if it's edited badly Uh i've seen uh, a situation where a movie was edited in one way and it came out and it was like nothing really happened and then the director had it re-edited and re-released and it was I can't even remember what it was it was back probably when I was like like in the 80s it was this like experimental thing and it was just so different well and and so much better other way around the 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 reverse it was like there are movies probably terrible but editor gets a hold of it and it's like okay I've I've made something out of it right yeah I took this uh Sal's ear yeah <laughs> the director's like this is not my movie right <laughs> it's like, like I, no it's not ed wood <laughs> yeah um, yeah right <laughs> i mean there's there's it's so fun we you can go online and find like tra- there's somebody that does trailers where they'll take like the shining and make it look like with music and with re-editing the trailer make it look like yeah or or right. you know like a, a rom-com uh-huh. or my favorite was oh they they took top gun and made it look a lot like Brokeback mountain style yeah uh, they took Mary Poppins and made it look like a horror movie. Like they, there's a um, lot of fun well, stuff. That's got to be good. So really what was that called again? I don't know. I just go on YouTube. Um, and trailers. Trailers yeah, recut. Yeah. Trailers recut, I think. I have to look for that. I think my, you mentioned Pro we Tools. We spent whole days just watching trailers. Oh yeah. You go to the movies, yeah. you sit there. But, yeah. like, it's ridiculous now. It's like half mm-hmm. an hour. I mean, it's not, it's great. I mean, I enjoy watching the trailers and you're kind of suspending time when you go to the movies anyway. But, but the <laughs> the number of trailers that come up are just, you know, yeah. I was counting them the last time. I was like, holy crap, this is like 10. 
So <laughs> if we ever get a sp- product sponsor, we just figured out how to yeah. get a product. Yeah, right. Just, say, just right. in case. There we go. Okay. Yep. Right. <laughs> You're right. Of course, we don't do uh, we don't do video. We do audio. Right. Right. So that won't really be very effective, but it is kind of funny. Day, if, if you got a sponsor, you'd probably do it if they wanted it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe. Well, if we got a sponsor, we might be, you know, be have better editing equipment and it would be easier. Well, I was thinking, we Shane did. mentioned Pro Tools. I, yeah. I think I got a, a licensed copy of Pro Tools with this board. It's just I haven't yeah. gone out and downloaded it. Oh, okay. Oh, really? What board did you get? The P-R-O-F-X. It's a Pro-F-X. It's probably oh, just... Okay, yeah, maybe. Here, let's... I've, I've seen, to, seen that let's from see the see if I can uh, get it on camera here. I don't know. Oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah. This thing is weird. Yeah. But, yeah. So you can find Philip and not me. You know, at any given point, it finds one person. It's like the That's cat. It. It's like the cat. The cat can only find me, too. Oh, <laughs> oh he finds me, too. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, we have... 17 pound snowshoe Siamese. So uh, when he decides it's time to be on your lap, you're not moving. Nope. Right. So, I mean, this, this crew, we were looking at uh, some of the documentaries. Like I said, Lisa has almost. Yeah, I'm, I'm through almost episode 28. So I'm a little almost sad because, okay. you know, when will the new season be coming out? I don't have a release date for you. Okay. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot that needs to happen. I mean, this, this nearly. Mm-hmm like we said, you know, the pandemic, hopefully, you know, it winds down and winds back up and, and we need to have some meetings and get, again, we need more crew. We need, you know, people to find it too and, 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 and listen to it. So, and we have other, other shows that we want to do as well, but I don't want it to be one of those things where a lot of, you know, some studios or some, some companies, they will make a season of something and then go make three other shows and forget mm-hmm. to make season two. We're not, right. we don't want to do that. Right. Uh, but we just don't want to die in the process of making it. That's mm, kind yeah. of a, yeah. And do you mean that analysis. like physically, or do you yeah, mean that more I meant physically? Because yeah, um, it's a lot of work. Well, just keeping the I mean, business going. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we got to keep the business going, and with you know, I was spending sixteen day, hour days sometimes here recording mm-hmm. and editing, and then we'd send it off, and and it would just be helpful to have you know even you know more production management mm-hmm. more editors things like that where where it was just exhausting it was yeah. and and going yeah. through the pandemic at the, at the same time was mentally just a, a mess because mm-hmm. we were two dudes in a cave there's mm-hmm. no windows you know yeah and we can't, I can't I'm a very social person uh, you know I like my alone time but I like to go see people and I couldn't do any of that so you're not having those kinds of you know breaks of getting away from the project I was I moved right before so there was a lot happening all at the same time and you know mm-hmm. tension gets high and and you just have no escape from sort of from your life if if right. you're doing everything and can't go anywhere else right, right. and then too on the on the the human stress list, mm-hmm. uh, moving actually it rates like right next to lo- the loss of a child or spouse oh, as wow. far as level of stress. So you're starting a new project, stress one. You're right. moving, stress two. Yeah. Pandemic. I'm sure that's number one on the list right now. Well, it was. I mean, I it's moved. I was, living, I was living somewhere. Mm-hmm. I was living in somebody's you know back house. It was very nice. Yeah. 
I loved it, but they didn't have a kitchen and stuff. And I had just moved about a year before out to uh, LA from New York. I had lived here before, but I moved to New York and wanted to live there. So I, and then I moved back to do all of this stuff. Yeah. And so when the pandemic was like, everything's going to shut down, I immediately was like, I need to not, I need to find a place where I have a kitchen where I can, you know, Mm -hmm. exist and survive better than the life that I'm about to be forced into. Right. Uh, Fortunately, I didn't have a lot of furniture and things like that. So the good news is I didn't have to move a lot of, you know, I didn't have to move, but I had to get, you know, all these things very quickly because yeah, still still stressful and stuff. I mean, you know. and then yeah, all yeah. of it had to happen. You know, producing and the pandemic and the business. Our 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 studio was less than a year old. Mm-hmm. And anybody that's ever started a small business or knows, you know, you don't get it, it's not. You're right eating out. ramen noodles for a couple uh, of years there. Yeah, <laughs> that's so. Let's yeah. take a let's take a break for our sponsor. Okay, and then. We'll mm-hmm. come back with Shane Salk. Continue Alrighty. to talk about Carcerum. Okay. We're back with Shane Salk of Carcerum, mm-hmm. the voiceover uh, fantasy story that you can find on uh, whatever your podcast platform is, I presume, Apple Podcasts, yep. um, Overcast, Spotify. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of podcasts, I, I'm a huge consumer of podcasts. And obviously an aficionado now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but I noticed that there was a huge campaign for something very similar to this about mm-hmm. a year ago, starring Kate McKinnon. And I'm like, I'm driving along in my car and I'm hearing this uh, advertisement mm-hmm. for, I can't remember what it was. Yeah. I, I listened to some of it. It was very, very mm-hmm. well produced. And Kate uh, it was medieval. Awesome. It was a, a, a farce. And I'm not really a farce fan. But it's like every podcast so I listen to. it didn't catch my attention the way, the way Carcerum does. Every podcast I would listen to would have an ad for it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it was on the radio. I think right. I might have even saw a TV spot for it. So I wonder mm-hmm. how you guys have marketed Carcerum. You know, have you been able to, to reach it? We don't have that kind of budget, unfortunately, mm-hmm. to buy spots on TVs and stuff. Um, right. My... Marketing it wise, I like to find the like small communities that will enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dungeons and Dragons. We got we had the uh, honor of being on the the Dragon Talk podcast, which is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and people loved the show. Yeah, hearing us on there, I really enjoy just talking to people and uh, such as yourselves and and mm-hmm. talking about what the show is. I'm I'm trying to do a an outreach to the blind community. A good idea. Having a number of blind, uh, visually impaired fans of of my works from this one or past ones, mm-hmm. and it's designed with them in mind. It is one hundred percent the idea of going. Yeah, you don't need anything to experience. You don't need a translator. Nope, you don't need. Uh, it's funny because a really great way that, that a lot of visually impaired people experience, like Netflix or movies, is is audio description and mm-hmm. I have a number of friends that do audio description that do an amazing job and it's a wonderful way to enhance that for people who who mm-hmm. don't have all of their sight but we don't do that and I've I have had a couple of conversations with a few of them going but how do you not have audio description I go well there's nothing mm-hmm. to see you go but how would people know what's happening I go I'm very I don't I don't know what to tell you yeah <laughs> So. Because 
because the visually impaired have imaginations just like we do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and it's fun for me to tell people that this is the exact same experience for someone who's sighted or not sighted. Mm-hmm. It, it's not, it, it's not, uh, you know, a book where, you know, somebody could read it and somebody else can listen to it. It's <laughs> right. Somebody can see it. Somebody can't. It's the same experience in terms of you bring what you bring to it and you hear what you hear with it. Sort exactly. of the, mind, the mind's eye. That'll mm-hmm. appreciate the mind's you eye. Sign it. I just take credit for it. Yeah. 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 But I know a lot of people, it, it, you talked about people that, that were sight impaired. A lot of people, audio, these types of audio books, podcasts, talk shows, these things carry them through, you know. Their, their daily work routines, mm-hmm. you know, their drive, their commutes to work, yeah. their uh, at troubled times in their lives, you know, uh, it's something that, it, you know, as, te- as technology kind of escalates our Sometimes it's nice to go backwards. It's, it's nice to, it, yeah, and, mm-hmm. you know. Well, it's, it's funny because when we first started, we had a number of, you know, friends to show who would call us and say, there's a problem. And I like, what? He goes, well, I tried to listen to this at work and I ended up just staring forward for 20 minutes because I can't listen and work at the same time. (laughs) Not everybody can. No. And, and this, this show specifically is very different than a book on tape or a, or a talk show podcast where you can kind of zone in and out every once in a while sometimes, or it, it, listening to this I don't think is a passive experience you know no. we'll go and walk the dog love yeah. doing it there but it really is like it's not that you have to like focus and and think like okay what's happening all these stuff you kind of let it happen to you but your brain needs to pay attention right mm-hmm. right yeah definitely yeah I, I did find that like a book on tape when I'm not doing something else doesn't hold my attention as well Right. The audiobooks. I mean, they do, but like you said, you can zone in and out a little bit. Sometimes there's descriptiveness that's just a little long-winded, that kind of thing. A little bit on the right. Most of my my tasks, work-wise, I've been doing it for thirty years, so most of the time I can I can like auto, just like I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. It's like in out, in out, in out. Whereas the audiobook stays more. Right. Right. Uh, but with Carcerum, I do feel that I listen to it better when I'm not working. And and actually that, asking about the pandemic, it mm-hmm. did hurt us because I literally designed the, the length of shows. Uh-huh. Uh, one reason was for commuters. The uh-huh. average drive time in the U.S. to get from home to work is about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it was designed for commuters, not designed for people sitting around the house to Mm-hmm. You know, vacuum too and that's how people started you know people stopped commuting and so I think that you know just our our numbers and and stuff may have hurt us a little bit here and there mm-hmm. but the one thing I'll say is because people will ask how the show is is doing and downloading and such uh-huh. and it's never as much as you want it's never as you know yeah or something but more important to me is that everybody that's listened to it that I've talked to mm-hmm even if they really love the show, mm-hmm. they get it. They, you know, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but even those that are like, yeah, it's not really my thing, but I really love what you've done with it and, and the soundscapes. And mm-hmm. I understand what's going on. It's not that I, this and that it's, it's really, 
it, it's there and it holds my attention. But not everybody loves fantasy or, you know, sitting still. So <laughs> you like- saying that I, I will give you one of uh, the, I hope best compliments on this because I'm ADD. There's actually, in case the listeners are like, "Uh uh-huh, diagnosis ADD, there's an MRI for that. It's confirmable. Nice. I know. I found that out when I volunteered for an MRI study on the brain. And the technician is like, did you know you're ADD? Because sometimes women don't get diagnosed. And I was like, I did know. I was 12 when I was diagnosed. And really, how do you know? I didn't and know they had the brain scan. I mean, I, I knew that brain scan technology, but I didn't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. That's got to be relative. I know. And then the the other recent medical marvel, I suppose, over the last two years is they've confirmed fibromyalgia. And what it is is the people with fibromyalgia, their nervous system is putting out extra roads, but the roads are not correct. Hmm. So. It's like some people who have their body, their liver will create extra blood vessels, but they'll do it so fast that they're not functional. And that's what's happening with people with fibromyalgia. They can actually see now because of technology, the extra nerve endings. But but what you're getting at is even though you had this ADD. It kept my attention. Oh yeah. yeah, it's good. And I mean, like you said, the length of the episodes, that's really you know, you can, you can advertise, you know, good for ADD, yeah. <laughs> at least good for ADD adults who enjoy fantasy. Well, and I, not maybe, and I think a kid who had with, I think a kid who enjoyed fantasy would probably be able to watch an entire, listen to an entire episode. Yeah. And well, even I, in my brain, I was so raised on TV that I actually hear myself saying watch. Yeah. Because I, can, and yeah. I love that. That's like so, my, that's my bread and butter right there. I was like, well, I'm watching your show. And I just kind of smile. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, you know, it is a fantasy show. I've had some people say, yeah, I'm not really into fantasy. And I say, well, it's not my writing style. And we had a number of great yeah. writers and I, I sort of headed that team. But mm-hmm. the whole point, and when I talk to people and I bring them on, I go, look, we're any style. So writing or like fantasy or zombie or horror mm-hmm. or futuristic sci-fi. To me, those are settings. Mm-hmm. And what the story really comes down to is exactly. the relationships with the characters. So mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not really into fantasy. It's like, well, you don't need to be. It's really, are you into characters, relationships with people and people overcoming obstacles? Because that's all we use the fantasy genre for. Right. Going, well, mm-hmm. It's characters, these relationships and these obstacles. Mm-hmm. It's sort of not, platform, yeah. 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 And then how do they figure out the obstacles? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But you, we started to talk a little bit about medical, medical topic there. So I was wondering, is it, are, am I mistaken? Are you related to Dr. Jonas Salk? You are not mistaken. He was my grandfather. So oh, wow. I, I, most of my family are scientists or doctors. If you look at my, my, the, the Shane Salk Productions logo, uh-huh. it's a black sheep with a stethoscope and a lab coat. Uh, <laughs> and and he has a look on his face of like, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of my nod and homage to, to all of the scientists. Cause I love, I love, you know, you can take the the scientists out of the class, but you can't take, I don't know. You get the point. Right? And it may be that being raised with so much 
science, so many scientists, it makes your art just a little bit different, a little more focused. hundred percent. It, right. you know, that scientific brain, I, I am uh, dyslexic myself. So mm-hmm. um, I did not want to read that much medical mm-hmm. books and remember all that stuff that doesn't appeal to me, but I like getting my hands in there. And it's funny because people a lot of time will be like, wait a minute, you're dyslexic. How did you head up the writing team for this thing? And I go, cause I'm not an idiot. You don't right. understand dyslexia. Yeah. Uh, Actually, most dyslexics are very intelligent. Well, half of our brain is smaller and half of our brain is bigger. Right. Scientifically. So mm-hmm. we're really, you know, I might not be an eye for that reader, <laughs> but my reasoning and problem solving skills and puzzles and stuff, I'm really good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Almost like yeah, so that part of your your brain um, becomes conditioned mm-hmm. and, and you know developed developed more than than you know. It's the, just it's the, it's the way it is. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. I like I like all that stuff, and I like the science that I, I I do a lot of scientific research when things come up about you know. Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. pandemic, I, I am the one, I'm also one there going, going through, you know, science journals and seeing how, what the difference between this is and that is and what, how this vaccine works and how that, you know, all those things I find very, very interesting. Right. I just don't want to go to a hospital every day. Right. right. And I'm, I'm, um, what is it? I'm O positive. So yay for me. I'm, I'm uh, O negative. Okay. Now, is that as resistant as O type? positive? Are we talking blood type? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yes. I'm yeah. O negative. Yeah. Universal donor. I'm the secondary universal donor. Right. You can donate um, to anybody that has a, is a positive. Uh-huh. I can donate to anybody. Right. Yeah. Regular or positive or negative. And then I know that the O blood type is more resistant. I know O positive is the most resistant to COVID. So if the, if it ramps up real big, we'll probably be the last people left. <laughs> 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 Sorry, hon. Love ya. Well, you know, I don't know mm-hmm. if I want to be, be here at that point anyway. Yeah. But, well, but we, we should mention, uh-huh. we assume everyone knows who Dr. Oh. Jonas Salk is. Yeah. But I, uh, I would think so. But you know, but there the are cave famous, dwellers out there who maybe listen to podcasts. One of the most famous physicians in, yeah. in American history. Right. Discovered mm-hmm. the, or, uh, he came up the with the polio vaccine. Right. Polio vaccine. But I mean, it's funny because yeah. most people don't these days because polio is such a non-thing. Right. It's um, made a bit of a resurgence, just a that, bit, because it's that, coming in from foreign countries. Right. In Africa, there's two different right. polio vaccines, and one of them, the Salk mm-hmm. vaccine, was actually a deactivated virus, which is exact, sort of like how the, you know, people say, I got the flu from the vaccine. You can't you get didn't. the flu from the vaccine. No. The deactivated virus just got the flu. And the vaccine, either the flu was already in your system right. or you just, you know, you could get the flu-like symptoms, but it's not the flu. Right. Um, well, I know, I know like my aunt was uh, one of those people now, she was an RN and she had to schedule three days every time she got the flu vaccine, which she had to get, or she couldn't go back to work. Mm-hmm. And um, so she would have to schedule three days because she would get ill from the vaccine, but it was probably something else in the vaccine. Yeah. You, I mean, I you're, mean, yeah. you are putting something into your body that your body's like, right. um, I'm not sure we want. And then it goes, oh, okay, we, we got it out. We're good. You know, yeah. so it's teaching your body something else, but well, I like my body loves it. <laughs> right. Mine too. I get it every okay. year. I think it's funny when people are like put Facebook or something and going, yeah. I got the vaccine and I got the flu directly afterwards. And I'm always kind of like, you already had it. If you, well, 
my thing is like if you have the energy to tweet right now you probably mm-hmm. don't have the flu or at uh, least not as bad as you would have had it. it and again people get the sniffles or something and they go oh the vaccine gave me the flu i'm like that's not the flu but mm-hmm. you know it happens and you know it nothing's 100 percent. but i would rather get the vaccine personally but and again, I know every year I kind of go through this with a lot of people about how the vaccines work. And, you know, I, at the beginning of the pandemic, there were a lot of people that didn't understand the difference between the flu and COVID and, and how these mm-hmm. things work and, and, and all this stuff. And I would, right. I'm not going to argue with anybody. I'm mm-hmm. not going to tell anybody that they're stupid and they're wrong. It's not yeah. helpful. But yeah. if somebody genuinely wants to learn, I say, well, here's some facts, here's some sources and all this stuff. And if they come right. back like, screw you i'm like all right it's here for anybody that wants to see it uh you guys have a nice day i'm just yeah trying to help dude this is not an opinion situation it's science but it's you know education is you know you can only do so much that people don't want to know or learn or Mm -hmm. and i'm more than happy if someone says well here's some other information that i found you know Mm -hmm. that's contradictory to this i love that stuff i go well let me take a look yeah from uh, you know someone's aunt who writes a blog who claims that tulips saved her life when she was four Mm -hmm. i generally am like well i'm not sure this is a reliable source but all power to you well well i mean i i my mother's grandmother used urine to treat ear ear problems so (laughs) well and 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 it did something there's ammonia in it there's there's so many old school things that people are like well this this helps i'm like Mm -hmm. yeah it does because of these other things but you don't need all the other stuff in it necessarily but i'm not surprised that you know they used to use urine for for lots of things and you know they also used to use leeches which didn't really do a whole oh they do they do they're using them again in surgery well it's and maggots as well yeah maggots are great because they will actually heal out the Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, clean out stuff but it's sort of it's right. like a um you know you gotta be it's like a, a controlled fire right. uh, leeches actually they would use sometimes to when they're reattaching appendages mm-hmm. because they will because one of the problems with with reattaching an appendage is that if it keeps bleeding internally or if there's mm-hmm. too much something it kind of rots so they'll right. use leeches to get out that excess fluid to get excess blood and stuff like that Uh, everything i'm saying is like 75 percent is it accurate i'm sure there are other explanations of a lot of this right right right. a lot of scientists things that i find really fascinating yeah Yeah. and i i know about this stuff because uh they do use it at the hospital where i work they use guillotines for um amputations they actually have a surgical guillotine so I think that yeah, is like like the French ones. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the basic design is the same. Wow, it's a guillotine. Yeah. It drops the blade through the bone Jesus. and takes off your. Uh, so I'm I'm like kind of fascinated a... in this kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't have quite as much science background as you might, being so connected. I mean, my parents were a waitress and a mailman. <laughs> but I mean, you're remarkably so. informative on stuff. Uh, you, you know, oh, you don't just you, sit there and, and do your job mindlessly. Mm-hmm. You pick up on a lot of uh, yeah. And you know, it's like somebody saying, "I, I got it." I remember in high school, I got into this big argument with somebody about how you pronounce gyro or gyro mm-hmm. or gyro, gyro, however mm-hmm. you want to pronounce it. But like the the actual way of pronouncing it, right, um, is gyro. Right. And I got into a big argument with somebody because I was saying that and she said it's gyro it's gyro it's gyro no, and I said, it's not. And she not. Goes, 
My grandmother was Greek. I know. And I was like, that doesn't give you qualifications. <laughs> right. I don't know what that means. And, and, and that would be, that would where that kind of shuts down the, uh, well, that's not how the Greek people say it. <laughs> but right. maybe her grandmother. Or she could not have known. Right. Not her grandmother, but I mean, maybe she didn't right. know her grandmother. There's a hundred things, but the same idea right. of like someone going, you know, me going, my grandfather worked on vaccines. All it means is that I have, I've been around people who have been talking about it, but I have to do my own research. And I'm just saying, yeah. just because you don't have that family lineage doesn't mean that I know more than you do. Oh, well, yeah. You've already said more than I knew. <laughs> well, again, I do a lot of research yeah. and, and right. talk to me about things and ask me questions. And if I don't know the answer, I'm like, well, that's something I probably should know because people are asking me. I've had people come up to me and say, is it true that your grandfather, you know, went to the Chinese restaurant every day? And I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. sure that's apparently what Wikipedia said. And then I'll go have to look it up. <laughs> Why not? Who knows? Other articles. <laughs> so if somebody asks me again, I'll know yeah. if it's true right. or I'll call my dad and say, did grandpa do this? And he's like, yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're talking about a, a man of accomplishment, mm-hmm. he's got biographers, mm-hmm. you know, he has yeah. students, he has mm-hmm. people that are uh, experts mm-hmm. on his, on his life. Well, probably being an art and a writer, your grandmother would, may not you know. ever consider <laughs> uh, doing a biography of your grandfather? Uh, something you would think of doing? Probably? I would absolutely consider doing it. I mean, okay. there are people who, I, I would not hate to be involved in it. I don't know mm-hmm. if it would be something that I'd be incredibly good at to go around and read all the stuff. And I yeah. have a grandfather and I like him a lot mm-hmm. uh, as a grandfather. People ask, what was it like? And I go, he was a good grandfather. Yeah, uh, he was a grandpa. You know, he always had candy, you know. <laughs> family stories and the secrets yeah. and that and all these things. But right. he would listen. Like when documentaries come out or books mm-hmm. come out, sometimes certain members of my family will be like well this is true this wasn't true this didn't happen this because it's all from a different lens and a different standpoint and people and mm-hmm. I'm like you know what this is I, I think the scientific discoveries are way more important than the legacy of the person that did them I know is a little weird coming from me yeah. but I think that the idea of scientific celebrities while not innately bad can create problems with plagiarism and and sabotage and things like that where you're like well somebody wants the credit for all these things which is not undeserving but mm-hmm. if when that credit becomes more important than the discovery itself or the um, focus yeah. Uh, yeah and and i will say that from everything i know about my grandfather he was not somebody who was like i'm really about this credit i really want this stuff mm-hmm. i'm sure there are people that he worked with that would say that's not true maybe i don't know i've never heard mm-hmm. that not being true but right then uh, i mean i mean was he sitting there going where's my next award no so your relationship no. to him is personal you know it's, it's your exactly. own as, you know. now a, how long did you how long did you have him he died when i was 12 i think okay yeah i never really had any relationship with any of my grandfathers i did have a grandfather that died at seven but his second wife was very jealous of my biological grandmother who had died and he was not allowed to have a good relationship with me because I resembled her. Wow. Yeah. So well, interesting and, family dynamic there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, yeah, my grandmother, Donna Salt was one of my favorites. I mean, she, yeah, it, I had, yeah, 
it's mm-hmm. so funny. People are like, well, what? tell me about your grandfather. I'm like, well, my grandmother. Yeah, <laughs> they got yeah she put up with the man. Yeah. But she, they got divorced before I was born. So oh, she actually married again, Francois Gilot, who's an amazing artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I will say that the the until recently anyway i have a niece now but there were a lot of on the on the jonas salk side there were a lot of men it was all their mm-hmm. brothers my grandfather had two brothers all these things but the women they marry are incredible they're mm-hmm. just they're yeah I'll, I'll take the women that they marry over the scientific background because they're just <laughs> funny and smart and and just they're tough women all of them sort of the adhesive that holds everything together so yeah. how old is your niece guys are nuts <laughs> a little bit i think i'm the glue that holds him together yeah. so I'm, okay let's talk mm-hmm. let's get back a little bit to Corsarum okay. with, yeah. with the little time we have left i don't want to uh-huh. take advantage of shane's time here but uh-huh. what, let's talk a little bit about bill holmes your partner okay yeah mm-hmm. so how, how did you how did you guys become a team for this project bill, bill holmes or william holmes the voiceover doctor is mm-hmm. one of the best voiceover teacher coaches in at least los angeles he he cares so much about the people he teaches he has a very unorthodox possibly way of talking with people and i met him through bob bergen who is the voice of porky pig along with a lot of other things from your childhood and i met bob through another project i did and bob invited me to something they used to do called vox on the rocks and Mm -hmm. there i was talking to bob about I was going through a a lot of problems with my old partner. I was getting, yeah, it was just, there was a lot of of things that were happening to me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, I talked about doing a a version of a Christmas, an audio version of a Christmas carol. Right. Making a demo. And Bob said, well, you need to go talk to Bill. He's right over there. And I, so I did. Have you known Bill before or was that your That's the first time I met Bill. Okay. Um, and I sat down and we talked a little bit and he's like, yeah, I don't want to talk business, you, you know, mm-hmm. go to lunch some other time. So we go to lunch and it's funny. Cause if you talk to Bill, mm-hmm. two similar, but different stories about how we met and how all this happened, but went to lunch, hit it off. And we ended up, I, I was, we ended up making a version of a Christmas Carol together with Maurice LaMarche and Rob Paulson. And it mm-hmm. turned out really well. And Bill, you know, Bill will say we had that lunch. And he's like, I'm never going to hear from this guy again. Never. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I don't really give, give up, up on things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is what's going to happen. Take a while, but let's see what's up. Mm-hmm. So I called him and I said, hey, we got some money. Let's start this thing. And he's like, okay. I don't, I was not expecting that to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we made, made surprise. that. Yeah, surprise. Mm-hmm. We made that. We made it in English and Spanish. And then I actually departed for to work on a Disney cruise ship. I was the genie in Disney cruise lines, uh, Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then came back. We were, you know, marketing Christmas Carol. We ended up writing a movie and then I moved to New York and we just always kept in touch. And then with, with all these things, I mean, he's, he's really great at, at making things happen and he knows all these people and, and he has a, a perfectionist's attitude as in, you know, it's like, well, I'm not going to, Mm-hmm. you know cut corners on things yeah uh, and and that's you know we work really well together in that vein I mean he's mm-hmm. he's been in the voiceover industry for 30 years mm-hmm. in LA or more longer yeah. I don't know yeah. um, I, I, I did want to ask because it seems so well done is the perfectionist trap something that you have to guard against 
with yourself and or with Bill, where, you know, you've got that guy that's had the novel written for like 12 years, but he won't release it because he keeps editing it again and again and again. So, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. And I, I, somebody once told me there's no such thing as a perfectionist. It's just somebody who can always find the fault in things. And I think that's very wise. I think yeah. that with any artist, the, I, I think with almost anybody, self-awareness is the mm-hmm. most important trait you can have. Yeah. So if you're listening to something and you perfection, the, the idea of Be going, overrated. If, if you're checking in with yourself and you go, there is something wrong with this. I need to fix this thing. It's, it's a genuine mm-hmm. problem. Right. But if you're, checking in with yourself and you're going, well, I've listened to this 50 times and I, uh-huh. I just, I just heard this other thing over here. Mm-hmm. Are you postponing? Are you terrified to release it because exactly. you think other people will be critical of it and all these things mm-hmm. then, then yes. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, one of the problems with us postponing and having more time was that we could sit there and nitpick every mm-hmm. single tiny thing. And I would get super frustrated because you know, doing plays, doing a play and mm-hmm. having same, you know, D- Disney was sort of like this too, where you do rehearsal and you tell these jokes. And after about two months, somebody says, yeah, that joke's not really funny anymore. Let's change it up. And I go, well, you've heard it for two months. You know, it's coming, right. You're not the audience. So let's right. get an audience. And so it's the same what they say. with the audio. So that's right. why, you know, over the course of time, Bill and I we had many, many arguments and fights about different things of this working, that working, that's okay, that's not okay, all these things. Mm-hmm. You sort of find a way to work. And everything, and one of the best, best things about Bill and is that everything that he does, mm-hmm. and I would say I do the same thing, but everything he does, you know, criticisms or, or notes or, or wanting to do this or that, it's not ego-driven, it's right. product it's not, well, I want to do this because I want to throw my power around or I want, you know, I want to be able to say I did that thing. There's a lot of that if you're asking for notes from people, just random people. They're like, well, I think you should change this. You're like, why? Because you want to say that it changed or is it because something's bad? Mm-hmm. So me and Bill, it's you don't have to ask each other that. A million percent about the product. We can disagree on what makes it better and we do that, mm-hmm. uh, but it's never a fight of, you know, I think you're just, you're just saying this because, you know, ego, it's never that, which is right. Right. And and it would be so hard to, to work with someone like that. It has been. Yeah. (laughs) I know we speak to the perfectionism thing because I do the intro and I do the outro and I read them. And then Philip has written most of the script and I'll adjust it a little bit. And I want to re-record it like four or five times to have copies Uh and, if if I don't stutter, he wants to stop at one. <laughs> like, no, no, it's not right. Well, we that's have to that's do kind it of the again. Ed Wood coming out of me. It's like, right. oh, we got it. Cut. <laughs> We're just move on to the next here. Yeah. <laughs> and then I picking I'm, your battles too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, we're like big fans of the whole Edward thing, partly because one of the first science fiction movies I ever saw was Plan 9 from Outer Space. Ah. And my dad, you know, encouraged me to just like so enjoy the the good and the bad. Well, right. the thing I love about it yeah. is it's just such an exploration of the creative process, even if yeah. it, 
product is subpar it's right. just it's interesting to see him work through you know in the movie yeah i'm talking about in the movie right but, and yeah. and i don't know how true to form it was but johnny depp's portrayal of him in in edward will forever be my image of him especially when he's in the phone booth and he's talking to somebody and the guy on the phone says well you're a horrible director and you your movies are bad and all this and then at the end of at the end after he's made this diatribe of how horrible he is so how much would you like to invest right just completely (laughs) completely like zoom right over his head (laughs) on man on a mission yeah but it's like we talk about collaboration uh-huh. And I guess the dangers is not allowing your disagreements to shut you down or suppress your creativity. Right. It's kind of really, it's kind of a special mm-hmm. relationship you have with somebody if you can actually get through something as creative as Carcerum, yeah. you know, with yeah. someone that is a right. real sense. And then probably when you hear these things over again, you probably recount, you know, the discussions and the, the iterations that they have gone through, you know, yeah. over time. Yeah. It's got to be rewarding. I did try to find We're Alive, and I was not able to find no. it easily. Uh, just huh? go to Serum. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I'm still interested. Yeah, because I do, I I didn't so much watch The Walking Dead as of yet. I might still, I don't know. I know I tried to get in, I got in like maybe a half a season, and then I was watching it at like two o'clock in the morning, and Philip had fallen asleep, and and the <laughs> screen door was unlatched and it was banging and I started freaking out. So I, I paused the walking dead for a little bit. Cause I was like, ah, I'll tell you what, I love the Christmas Carol. I'd love yeah. to hear that. Yeah. The Christmas Carol, you can find it. Carolradio.com is where you can, can find it and, and you can get okay. it on iTunes and, and such like that. We want to re-release it. Yeah. Uh, but Possibly around Christmas. I mean, you can get it. The nice thing about oh, it. Is, yeah. Yeah universal but i want to i we we kind of want to do a few more things to it and then and then re-release it again but you can buy it now as mm-hmm. a download as as a disc always love those stories yeah. so why don't why don't shane why don't you go ahead and give us well let me ask my question first. all right yeah, is there anything we didn't ask about that you expect or just want people to ask you no i i mean I just love talking about whatever makes people yeah. happy about this stuff. I, I don't go yeah. to talk about it a lot. Um, you know, yeah, you can, like you said, you have, we have a lot of behind the scenes videos and interviews with, with people like Cameron Crowe and Jane Lynch and Neil Flynn as, as yeah. well as a lot of others. And we're actually sort of putting a documentary together on the making oh, of cool. this whole thing. Oh, uh, that's a documentary I'll enjoy. I love yeah. That stuff. Uh, I yeah. hope so. I mean, I've been, I've been working on this kind of entertainment for, 10 12 13 years now Mm -hmm. and i i just love the idea of it growing and and we're not scared to try something and see if we can make it work we've done things with this show that i didn't think were possible and then you know we think of it like a movie and bill would say well if this was a movie i'd like this shot can we do something like that and i'm like Mm -hmm. i don't know let's find out there's only one one way to find out right kind of like an improv an improv application to the situation yes we mentioned cameron crow we love uh almost famous yeah yeah he's almost famous he's he's a he's a great he's in this show too he, you know he, mm-hmm. he plays barabbas if you remember that mm. uh, a small thing but he his interview is one of the nicest things that 
that has been said about our show too. Cool. Um, we did kind of our secret to research is we dive deep into YouTube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we heard you on Nerd Ion. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know how that's you were on there with Bill, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah Nerd on the podcast. Yeah. Nerd yeah. on. <laughs> Nerd on, yes. Great show. So check that one out too. I've got it added to my lexicon. I mean, you know, at, at this point, I've got so much audio queued up. I may never turn the TV back on. <laughs> All right. Well, well except for RuPaul. Do you have anything Sorry, more for Shane? Or Weird Al. Weird Al. I, I have to mention Weird Al because we share a birthday. Yeah. I was going to say, speaking of, of RuPaul, uh, uh-huh. my, orig- my first roommate in LA and somebody I went to college with, she uh-huh. is, she's won three Emmys as I think three for being uh-huh. the head editor of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, cool. Very proud to know her. Yeah, and and it's a good show, and I I think it's mostly positive, which is great. Well, if she ever Um, wants to come on and talk about RuPaul, right here. (laughs) I'll ask her. (laughs) I'll ask her. We get Cool. Yeah, Yeah, and we'll accept extras, you know, if she doesn't want to come on alone, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, right. yeah. I know. Um, I'm I think my, my favorite has to be Katya. She she just every time she breaks me up, I'm laughing out loud every single time. Because nice. I mean she does it she's she's not just comedy, she's beauty, she's comedy, she's right. ridiculous, you know. I mean, she is the character and it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Shane, it's been a pleasure. Really Happy. enjoyed this hour with you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. If you don't mind, if you want to do your socials, I don't know if yeah, that's something you want. Uh, you can find Carcerum on Facebook uh, and Instagram mm-hmm. at, at Carcerum the series and mm-hmm. on Twitter at, at Carcerum S. Or you can go to our website at CarcerumTheSeries.com and find mm-hmm. all of our social links. And we're also mm-hmm. on YouTube with all of those behind the scenes videos and interviews at Carcerum the series. Fantastic. Great. All right. It's mm-hmm. been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. You have a great afternoon. You too. All right. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. Hey, listeners. It's Lisa. And Phil. From Yeah, Uh Uh-huh. How are we doing? We love feedback. Please use our socials to let us know what you think. We have socials. Twitter. Yeah, uh uh-huh, pod. Instagram. Yeah, uh uh-huh, pod. Facebook. Yeah, uh uh-huh, pod. Notice Notice a pattern. pattern. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week.